Hello and welcome to Responsibility Digest, the monthly newsletter that aims to support you to come out of isolation and into co-regulation through safety and connection. For those of you listening to this who feel stuck because of life circumstances beyond your control, remember these two things. One, you are amazing. And two, after stuck comes growth. I am more than the circumstances surrounding me. I am an imperfect human. As imperfect, I am bound to believe things that are not truth and that slow down growth. As human, I am unbound in my potential to connect to truth and to growth. We live in rapidly changing times. In fact, the word unprecedented has had a resurgence in the last few years, almost becoming the cool kid in our vernacular. Well, maybe not the cool kid. Maybe unprecedented is like the kid who is super annoying because they have all the answers and they wave their hand in the air saying, I know, I know the answer. I know. Pick me. Okay, unprecedented. We get it. This is your day to shine. It seems you are here to stay for a while. But what I am really curious about is, how are all of you doing during all the changes that come alongside of unprecedented? I made a new friend recently. She has chosen to use her life as a full-time volunteer. And this life choice has given her the experience of working with people all over the world. So, of course, I wanted to tap into her wealth of knowledge from her life experience. So I asked her, what are some of the biggest challenges that you see where people get stuck in life? And she shared these two things with me. One, when things change. And two, excessive guilt. And you know what? I agree with her 100%. But let's pause on speaking about guilt for this month and focus on change. I promise I'll get back to the trickster that excessive guilt is soon. But for now, I'd like to introduce you to a place I've landed at least three major times in my life because of unexpected change. The kryptonite couch. The kryptonite couch can act like a noun, a verb, and an adjective. As a noun, it's a place where all my power seems to leave and I'm in a pile, unable to do a single thing. As a verb, it's an immobilization, a stillness. As an adjective, it's a descriptive term for a state of being when there is a small grip on hope. As an imperfect human, I tend to believe my thoughts before I fact-check them. An imperfection tells me, well, things are changing and you're definitely not going to survive this time. So here I am. A huge life event occurred. A change. A sickness. An accident. The pandemic. Job loss. A betrayal. How do I get off the kryptonite couch and move forward again when change happens? 
Okay, so here comes another not a secret secret. Change comes with a physiological reaction in the body. The physiological reaction in the body affects the mind and vice versa. It's as simple as that. Yet here shows up imperfection, blasting in with an incorrect translation of the physiological reaction in the mind and the body. Seriously, imperfection is the worst translator. It has no idea the purpose behind the physiological reaction to change. And so it leads me straight to the kryptonite couch. And I'm going to call it the K couch from here on out, which, okay, so wait a minute. It might not be such a bad place to be if I know what its purpose is. Now, I have no control over imperfection. It just comes alongside of being human. So instead of trying to fight imperfection in a dysregulated state, I wish to lean into the support that surrounds me when I land on this K-couch. So remember, change is challenging. It comes with a whole host of opinions of like and dislike. The nervous system responds to this by sending me some adrenaline and cortisol and some other needed hormones to keep me safe in the newness or uncertainty of change. This often feels uncomfortable in the body itself. And in this discomfort, I'm drawn to the gay couch to recuperate physically, emotionally, or mentally. This is, a, this is especially so when change is either unwanted or came on rapidly. In this case, I might not know what safe is yet in the new circumstances or surroundings that I find myself in. So the K-Couch could be a space where my mind and body find solid ground after change. It could be a place where the brain begins to see what levels of adrenaline and cortisol are actually needed as it regulates and comes to see that I am not in danger, even if I feel sad or angry or scared about the change itself. And you know what? This process needs time. It just does. In my experience, it takes a year to adjust to change of any kind, to allow the mind and body time to find balance in the new surroundings needs lots and lots of safety and patience. Remember, the K-Couch won't last forever after experiencing change. It won't. This is the time to recognize with no judgment that the body and mind are designed to need to receive support after change. This will look different according to where I am personally, or where I live, whatever my culture is, my history and background. So this is where I can be creative and source for support that works for me to come into balance after change. The important thing in being an imperfect human is to begin to understand my own body and mind and how those two cuties respond and react in times of change. And as I do this, I'm more able to work with myself according to knowledge. And in time, the cake couch lightens its protective hold, and I am off and ready to move on the other side of change. Sending you a big safe hug wherever you are in these unprecedented times. No matter what changes show up, the truth is we are surrounded and supported in infinite ways. Your coach, Alicia.
P.S. Am I super old or does everyone know what kryptonite is? Well, if you don't, it's a pop culture reference. You could research. Uh, It's for an imaginary thing that saps power from someone so that they're unable to offer support to themselves or anyone else in the world. P.P.S. I have a picture of me five months into the pandemic, letting go of everything I knew that felt stable, sitting on the floor on the day I was leaving, knowing that I would need some time on the K couch to recover and find my feet again. This knowing let me be in that place with no judgment and with patience. That was when I needed time in the safe discomfort of change. And now it's time for practical application. This month, let's explore what happens for you during times of change and transition. Are you currently experiencing a new circumstance or adjusting to an unfamiliar situation? Do you notice your mind wandering to the familiarity of the past or worrying about the future? It's okay. Noticing is the first step to receiving support. So here's two exercises you could experiment with for when I'm on the kryptonite couch. Exercise A. Step one, ask myself, what physical sensations am I experiencing? What emotions am I experiencing? What thoughts am I experiencing? Step two, Ask a trusted friend or family member. Have you noticed any changes that I'm not aware of? Would you check in and ask how I am? Step three, ask a trusted medical professional of your choosing. Perhaps saying, I've been on the metaphorical or literal couch for this long. I may need blood work or labs to see how my body and mind are processing change, and if I need supplemental support to balance the stressors for a time. Exercise B. Step one, exploration. What am I most concerned about? What resistance is showing up? What information, resources, or training do I need? Step two, action. What are three small things that would support me right now that I can put into place? Who or what can I set in place as part of a team for support for me right now? Pro tip, be aware of the need for balance and spending too little or too much time with other people. Isolating through too little safe interaction or too much unsafe interaction is a slippery slope to becoming stuck on the K-couch. Our nervous system is made to co-regulate with other safe people in challenging times. It's an actual physiological need. Here comes the series, I am not a scientist, but I'm learning science things. I'm just a neuron standing in front of another neuron asking if the information is relevant. 
Oh my goodness. I've discovered something this month. I have discovered that we are just a great big pile of neurons walking around saying things to each other like, Hey, how's the weather? Or I like the color blue or you're a stinky stink face that reminds me of the bottom of a dirty shoe. Okay. If you read the facts below, you'll see that I'm kind of joking, not joking. So here are some neuron facts. Neurons are the nerve cells in our nervous system that are responsible for transmitting information throughout the brain and body. There are an estimated 100 billion neurons within us, 100 billion, and they form 100 trillion connections of communication possibilities on what can be called an information superhighway. It's like a big network, a possibility of 100 trillion connections for communication. Every single neuron receives input from hundreds or thousands of other cells through their dendrites, passes the information onto other cells through something called a synaptic connection and down through an axon. All right, let's talk about the little parts of a neuron. A neuron's made up of a cell body, dendrites, which that's where the information is received into the neuron. Uh, synapses, that's the connection where the information passes from the dendrite of one neuron to the axon of another, either through a chemical or electrical signal, and we'll explore that more next month. Axons, the axons is what communicates the information down from the dendrite in the cell body to the axon to the other cells nearby. Okay, there are three types of neurons, each with a specific information sharing assignment. The first is sensory neurons. These neurons are found outside of the spinal cord. They have long dendrites and short axons, and they're responsible for sharing the information from the outside world to our inside world, although they do share some internal messages also. So the external things are like taste and touch, which is like temperature and pressure, sight, hearing, smell, and then the internal things are the chemical changes in our blood or something that might be damaging to us on levels of chemical, mechanical, or thermal. The interneurons. These cuties are exclusively found in the central nervous system and they have short dendrites and they have short or long axons. They do both. They're responsible for communicating between the sensory and motor neurons to the central nervous system. And these are the ones that help us with decision making and learning. They are super important and make up about 20 to 30% of our neocortex, which is most of our brain. Seriously, they take up a lot of space in our brain. Not one bit of the information that we have would be possible without interneurons. They're super important. They're probably my favorite. And I'll talk about these guys more in detail in the future. And we talked a little bit about motor, motor neurons. That's the third type. Their job is to transmit information away from the central nervous system to our muscles and glands. And they have short dendrites and long axons. There are upper and lower motor neurons, and they work really, really fast at their job. Now, here's a little quote from an article, three types of neurons plus facts about the nervous system. I'll put the link in bio. Quote, interneurons are located in the brain and spinal cord, but motor neurons and sensory neurons can be found throughout all of your body. If you get hit on the arm hard enough, it will hurt. In this instance, your sensory neurons send that feeling from the spinal cord to the brain, while the interneurons decide what to do about it. 
They communicate their plan to the motor neurons and they travel through your body to where the pain is and let you know about it so you can decide what to do next. If you decide to smack that person back, the motor neurons will allow you to do this. Okay, are you overwhelmed a little bit? That's it for this month, so no more. <laughs> Let's pause there. Sending you a big hug from one pile of neurons to another. In science and safety, laughter and connection. Alicia. Okay, it's so important to remember to be grateful. So here we have the gratitude highlight of the month. Thank you, Jean. From the first phone call that bonded us in laughter to a friendship and a kinship that deepened throughout the pandemic, thank you for your inspirational honesty, bravery, and kindness that you model as you walk in this world. I am honored to be on the Lunatic Fringe team with you. Thank you for your continuous support and steady belief in me through some of my hardest days. With each passing week through these pandemic years, I cherished our walks through your extraordinary yard more and more. You have taught me to ponder the earth and plants, birds and bugs in a completely new way, with wonder. You took my understanding of how interconnected we are to this planet to a truly earthy level, and that, dear friend, is a gift that I will take with me wherever I go. Unless, of course, you decide to fire me this week. <laughs> You're all right. So, so much Pepsi, Alicia. P.S. If anyone wants to know the story behind Pepsi, send me a message. And believe me, you want to know the Pepsi story. All right, that's it for this month's response, Ability Digest. Thank you. Thank you for sharing this work with friends and family around the world. My wish is to support you to understand just how amazing it is being human, even alongside of imperfection. Thank you for supporting me to continue to offer this work. My heart is honored with your trust. Until next month, a big hug from me to you because co-regulation is always greater than isolation. <laughs>